every Sunday, every every family Sunday here at Harvest Church, we like to do one of the songs that the kids have been doing in their own worship services. And so this is one of them. And if the kids, if, if you're a kid in here and you know the you know the hand motions, you should do them. Anyways, take along with us. Greatest day in history. Death is beaten, you have rescued me. Sing it out, Jesus is alive. The empty cross, the empty grave. Life eternal, you have won the day. Shout it out, Jesus is alive. He's alive.
Psalm 95, 1 says, Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Church, this morning, may we sing for joy unto the Lord. He is worthy of our praise. He is worthy of our worship. We love you, Jesus. We lift your name high.
to be here and to worship you, to turn our attention and uh, offer up words of praise and thanksgiving and adoration. Thank you, God, that you hear our words of praise and adoration and thanksgiving. You hear them, Lord, and uh, you're honored by those. Lord, I thank you that we can honor you in this way, and I, I pray that our lives... 24-7 would do that same thing, that we would just long to honor you, long to serve you, long to give you first place in our lives, Lord God. God, help us never give up. God, help us to stand strong when we feel like we're growing weary, Lord God. Help us to remember promises when we feel like help is distant and there's no answers in sight, Lord God. I pray, God, that you would spark our hearts and our minds and our spirits with your truth, Lord God, that you would remind us of truth in Jesus' name. God, that we would believe it, <laughs> that we'd build our life upon it. We'd say yes and amen to your promises, Lord God. Yes and amen to your goodness, Lord. Yes and amen to your provision, Lord. God, that we would say yes and amen to all of the good things. And, and we would say yes and amen to the correction that you bring to our lives, Lord God. And God, when we're convicted of sin and of righteousness, God, that we would say yes and amen to that. And God, that we would just allow you to be Lord and leader. And God, that we would indeed allow you to be in charge of our lives. You are the Lord and you're the King. And you are eternal and you're forever and you're good and you're just. God, help us to believe you and to trust you, we pray. Thank you, Lord. We need you. We need you. Speak to us, God. Everybody's in a slightly different place today. Some are rejoicing over the good things that are going on in their lives. Uh, think about Kathy Sally, who's here after fighting COVID and being in the hospital. Lord, we, we rejoice, Lord God. And others are going through hard stuff. I think about little Scarlett, who's a couple weeks old and in the hospital dealing with sepsis and fighting for her life and lord we just pray for her and for every person that she represents we pray for healing and grace and help lord god and encouragement and life and lord we pray for those who are in need relationally and financially and spiritually we pray that you bless and wash over we pray for our shut-ins for those who are ill and in homes who are not able to be here we bless them lord god we bless them in jesus name God, we pray for those who are watching online and who are wanting to be here, but for reasons uh, can, are not here and cannot be here, we just pray blessing upon them. Lord God, within, everybody within earshot, Lord God, that you just pour out your grace, Lord God, your truth, your revelation, your help. God, we, we need you, Lord God. Help us to build our lives on that truth of who you are, the truth of who we are in you, Jesus, and help us to stand firm in that, Lord God, and never give up. Never give up, Lord God. Help us to never give up, we pray. Thank you for your goodness. 
We stand firm in you, Lord God. We stand firm in you. We love you. We bless you. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. You can be seated. Thank you very much. So, as we get ready, look at the guns on this girl, by the way. She's just got the, this is not a light podium. It's not light. Anyway, so, it's, uh, she just handles it. She takes care of it. Um, thank you for the pastor appreciation, uh, the recognition, the gifts, the, the love that, that you've communicated to us. You know, there, there are so many people besides the pastors who are constantly working behind the scenes. There are about a dozen other staffers who are working faithfully behind the scenes. Um, we're, we're, we're so grateful for our elders who serve, our, the parishioners, takes hundreds of people to do what we do each and every week to serve and to be a part of all of the small groups and the stuff that we do on Sunday morning and the midweek stuff. It takes literally, I think we've counted up, it takes a, a couple hundred people just to get the job done. And so we're so grateful. Um, you've noticed uh, Tim and Amanda up here. We've never really uh, publicly said, hey, they're on the team and they're a part of what we're doing. But uh, Amanda, who brought the podium here, and uh, Tim, who uh, was helping to lead worship this morning. They're on the team, and the, the staff team, we're so grateful. Julie Spiller's new to the team. Ju Go ahead, stand up, Julie Spiller. There she is. Julie's, Julie's actually been a part of the church almost since the beginning, 18-plus years, and uh, she was, uh, she's just always done bookkeeping and HR stuff, and so when we were in need of a new HR bookkeeper person, because Ron's been doing that. And then when Dave retired, we needed to put Ron into more pastoral duties. And so we called Julie and said, hey, Julie, you want to come join our team? And, and she said, yes. So we got her, and uh, so we're grateful. And so God continues to add to our team, and um, so we're so grateful for that. Um, we're looking at Hebrews 1 today, and we're going to spend the next few months in Hebrews, kind of studying through Hebrews, and I've titled the message, Don't Give Up, Jesus Can Be Trusted. So the author of Hebrews, and we don't know who the author is. It could be Barnabas, Apollos, Paul. It could be Dr. Luke. We don't really know, and it's not really that important because all of the Bible is ghostwritten by the Holy Spirit. And so we know that the Holy Spirit has written what we're reading about and studying in Hebrews, and we can trust that through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, God worked through somebody to write to this audience. And we're not even totally sure who the audience is other than from reading through the text, it seems like the author is writing to Jewish people who converted to Christianity. So Jewish Christians, Messianic Jews, people who decided to believe the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we see that the writer is writing to these people. Why is he writing to them? He's writing to them, it appears, to encourage them. Because, as you can imagine, as they transition from Judaism to Christianity, they probably endured some harsh criticism from family, from the culture, from the people in their Jewish community, um, but they saw something in Jesus where they realized that in Christ, God was in their midst, that he came in the 
form of a child born of a virgin. In the incarnation, he took on human flesh, lived, preached, taught, and died and was resurrected for our sins so that we might be called sons and daughters of the living God. That message, that gospel message, resonated with these people and they adopted this faith in Christ Jesus. And so the author of Hebrews is writing, hey, don't, don't give up. Have you ever wanted to give up in life? I, I'll tell you a story about this. This goes back a number of years ago. I was running a lot and I decided I wanted to run a marathon, never run a marathon before. I had run half marathons, 5Ks, 10Ks, all kinds of other races, but I'd never run a full marathon. So I was training for months for, the, I think it was the Ventura Marathon that I was going to be uh, participating in. So you train for, you have to train, at least typically you train three, four, five months to get prepared for something like that. And so I've been prepping for months. I've been running for years, but I've been prepping months. And, and the preparation is you're, you're running long, long distances and just kind of getting your body conditioned. Well, my schedule changed, and I was going to need to fly out of, I think I flew out of the country and wasn't going to be able to run the marathon and get on the plane the next day and, and fly out of the country. It just wasn't going to make sense to sit on a 14-hour flight after running a marathon. And so, so I decided to, to cancel the marathon, but I called my son Curtis, and I said, hey, Curtis, um, I want to still run my own private marathon. I've been practicing and training, and I don't want a lot to go to waste. So I said, would you ride your bike and just kind of be my support person, you know, give me water and electrolytes and food and whatever I need for the run, and would you just help me to get this done? So we agreed, and we set a date, and I started running in Oceano, and I run up, run up to San Luis, and on the way back from San Luis, I, I've been eating and drinking a lot, so I needed to stop to go to the restroom. So I stopped at Avila Hot Springs there, and I decided I wanted to use their bathroom, and so I go to the bathroom, and then, so I'm 18 miles into it, and then I start to try to run again, and I get so cramped up, I can't hardly move. And uh, so I keep trying to run, but I'm not able to run. My legs are, they've got a mind of their own. They're just, they're tweaking and freaking out, and I... You know, I put my body through a good amount of abuse, and they're, letting, they're not liking it, right? My legs are not liking it. My whole body's just kind of resisting it. So I decide the only way to finish this race is actually, this run is actually just to walk the next eight miles. And so I walked the next eight miles back to Oceana where I had started, and Curtis is next to me, and we're just talking and, and just enjoying the eight-mile walk. But I wanted to give up. I, I you know... <laughs> I wanted to give up, and uh, there's been many times in my life where I've wanted to quit, wanted to give up, wanted to throw in the towel, but by God's grace and his mercy, he's shown me the path forward and been able to move forward, and so it's just been uh, an incredible journey as a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, last night, I was invited to this banquet. Coastal Christian School celebrated their 50-year anniversary last night. Can you, can you imagine 50 years? I can't believe since 1971. I know most of you weren't even born at that time, but um, that was a joke. <laughs> 50 years, though, of ministry. And so as they shared stories about their 50-year history, um, I, I was resonating a lot with what they were saying. So going back 50 years to 1971, they started this school and 
Uh, students started to show up, but things were lean, and they were uh, in a rented campus, and then two rented campuses to uh, house their students. And uh, Pam Quaken shared the story last night. Pam Quaken's been like an administrator of the school for decades. She's finally retired now, but she shared the story how one particular paid period in the month, they weren't going to be able to make payroll. And so she said to the head of school, the principal, hey, we're, we, we don't have enough in the coffers to make payroll. And the principal, being a man of faith, said, oh, don't worry, it will come. And just within a couple days before payroll, somebody walked in with a very generous donation, a very generous donation that covered all the payroll, and then some. But things were still lean, and so the board of the school decided, hey, let's cut everybody's salary by 10%, and that's a pretty significant cut. But everybody believed so much in the school that nobody complained, nobody quit. Everybody just kept right about their business, doing what God had called them to do, teaching, discipling young people in their academic pursuits. And over the years, things began to change for them. 40-plus years ago, in their 50-year journey, somebody gave them 27 acres out on Oak Park Road, and it took them over like 42 years before they could build on it. So for 40-plus years, they've been praying that God would give them the capacity, the ability, the funds to build, and finally... So I had kids, all four of my kids go through CCS, and so we were praying for this building project for 14 years, and then my youngest graduates, after my other three graduated from high school, my youngest, Leslie, graduates, and then the very next year, they get on the campus. <laughs> so for 14 years, we're praying and believing that God's going to bring the campus, and then it was after my kids had gone that they got onto the campus. So we're like, ah, we missed it, but we've been able to celebrate with them and be a part of the process, and uh, so that was all part of their initial just get on the campus deal, and they've got modulars and that sort of thing, but but phase one in their real construction there, um, they've been raising money for. It's a $13 million improvement that they, that they want to make. But the good news is that uh, God has been faithful, and they brought in $9 million up to last night. And then they got a $2 million matching fund that said, the donor said, hey, if you can raise Two million, I'll give you two million, dollar for dollar. You know, you raise a million, I'll give you a million. But if you raise two million, I'll give you two million. So last night, uh, I just got a text message this morning from the board chair. They, they raised almost a million dollars last night. So that will be matched to two million. So now they're at 11 million. And they still need just a couple million to get started or to get, to get their project going. But I just think about all of the faithfulness of God and all of the challenges along the way. And I was, as Pam or Stan or anybody who was up there talking about the history, I began to think about and reminisce about our almost 19-year history as a church here at Harvest Church. There's so many parallels where there's been plenty of times where we've been so lean, we weren't sure if we were going to be able to make payroll. And, and at times, we'd have to wait for payroll an extra week or whatever, and, uh, and God would provide. And then uh, we started meeting out at Lopez High School, for, and we were there for a couple of years, but we knew we wanted to move into the village of Arroyo Grande. And so a lot of you have heard the story, but a lot of you haven't. So I'll just kind of recap a bit of our 19 year, almost 19 years of history. Um, so we decide, we had like 60 people in the church at the time, and, but we knew we wanted to have a greater impact in the community. And so we begin to pray specifically in fact, I think it was Wanda Hildreth. Wanda has been gone home to be with the Lord, but she felt specifically that we should be in the village, and we all resonated with that. Um, 
And so we begin to pray. We said, yeah, we, we agree with that. We want to get into the village. And so we begin to pray that God would open up an opportunity for us in the village. Now, the village is small. There's not a lot of church building opportunities here in this small little space. But this building became available. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, I've, I've been living here since fifth grade. And I've never noticed this church building up to that point. But I'm driving through the village I'm clueless. Just tell me I'm clueless. It's all right. But I'm driving through, and I see this big four-foot by eight-foot sign that says for lease. I pull over, and I come in, and I, I meet Amanda Lambert for the first time. Never met her before. She never met me before. I said, hey, Amanda, we're, we've got a small church, 60 people. We're trying to move into the village. Would you lease your space to us? And on the spot, she said yes. She said, yeah, this place needs to be a church. She had other people who wanted to move in. A yoga shop wanted to move in. Attorney's group wanted to move in. But she said it needs to be a church again. So on a handshake in that moment, she didn't know me. I didn't know her. We moved forward with that project. And so we got some estimations. What would it cost to make this place a church again? Because it was an interior decorating business, an interior designer's business. Yeah, that's what Amanda did. She was an interior designer. <clears throat> So we get some estimates, and I'm told by contractors and architects that it's going to be about $35,000. So not a lot of money, $35,000 to renovate the space. And so we're like, okay, there's always overages in construction, so let's raise $50,000. So I go to the church, 60 people. I say, let's raise $50,000 for this renovation so we can move into the village and have a greater impact in the community. So we ended up raising $55,000. So we have $55,000 that we had raised, plus we had about $30,000 in the coffers at the time. So we have $85,000, so we're ready to go. So we're, we start the project, and one thing runs into another, leads to another, and we open up the foundation, the floor, the wood subfloor, and the, the whole building is sitting in the dirt on this backside over here. Um, we end up having to redo... Um, we uh, floors and the, we had to. The city was concerned that the building would slide down the hill. It hadn't moved in over a hundred years, but the city was concerned that they would slide down the hill. So we had to pour four foot by four foot by four foot uh, big concrete pads down there and tie helical anchors. Helical anchors are these big screwed in anchors and connect it to the building in four different places so the building wouldn't move. And then we had to put in fire sprinklers and sound equipment and all kinds of stuff. And one thing leads to another and it's not 35,000. It's not 50,000. It's not 85,000. It's in excess of $100,000. And so at one point we're like, dead in the water because we're completely out of money. We're just out of money. And um, people begin to ask for the city calls, pastors in the community, parishioners, hey, when do we get moving with our project? And I finally just had to say, hey, we're out of money. So many overages we couldn't foresee. And so we're just waiting. We're just waiting for the Lord to provide. So we waited. And I, I can't remember if it was a few weeks or a month or whatever it was, but over time, in just a short amount of time, God gave us the rest of the money so that we could finish the project and move in. So we, we were so excited to rehab this old 1887 building, and we were so excited about that. We, Ten years later, we decided to buy an 1865 building. So we, we, you think we'd have learned our lesson, but we're, you know, ten years passes. It's like childbirth, I guess. You kind of forget all the pain, right? And so... You do it again, and so we buy this house, this old bed and breakfast next door, built in 1865, older than the sanctuary, in worse condition than the sanctuary, but we're thinking we can go in there, 
In fact, we had a work day after we bought it. 60 or 70 people show up, and we're having cleaned up the outside. We're cleaning up everything in the inside. We're thinking we're going to slap a little paint on this thing, like lipstick on a pig, and it's going to be good to go, right? No such thing. We got into this thing. We ended up having to take it all the way down to the studs, replace all of the electrical, the plumbing. We replaced, we renovated both the bathrooms, put in new cabinets, new floors throughout. We ended up eventually putting on a new roof on the place. And so we spent in excess of $100,000 there. So every time we turn around, we're into these projects in these old buildings. I, we kind of have the impression that God has got us here in, this, in the village to, to do two things, to renovate old buildings and to renovate people, <laughs> to renovate people. They go hand in hand. We all need renovation, right? Old buildings need renovation. Old and young people, we need renovation. God's been working on me for a long time. I know he's not even close to being done because I'm I still need lots of work, but the renovation continues. So then all of these other buildings that we've been working on over the years, we, um, we, same thing, we get into the parsonage and there's all kinds of stuff that need to get done there, cabinets and plumbing and bathrooms and all kinds of stuff. And we just continued on renovating old buildings. And then we get this great idea to rent this space, 102 West Branch, that was it's a 70-year-old building as well, so it, 70-year-old oh, building as well. So it's not quite as old as some of these other buildings, but it's in equally bad shape. We discovered. So we think in the beginning it's going to take 125,000 bucks to renovate this thing. Why? Because we bought all this sound equipment that we've been using outside, and in my naive thinking, I think we can take all of that sound equipment, move it inside. But I'm not a tech engineer, so I have no idea what I'm actually talking about, and so. They tell me, no, it's, we can't actually use that equipment. It, we need different equipment, and it's going to cost $150,000. Like, okay. <laughs> so there goes that $125,000 budget. So then we think, okay, it's going to be double that then. So we think it's going to be $250,000. But then we run into sewer line issues. The sewer line was completely eroded, corroded. It was sitting in the dirt. There was actually no sewer line on the bottom. All of the sewage was running into, just into the dirt. So we have to saw cut in the building eight, uh, uh, 40 or 50 feet just to get the old system out and put in a new system. And then we realized we need to add a second handicap accessible bathroom. We need to put in fire sprinklers. We're thinking with the walls, we can just paint them and they're all good, but they're in such bad shape. The drywaller said, you know, we can float it and make it smooth and make it look good, but we're going to spend so much time doing that. You might as well just rip out the old stuff and put in new stuff. So now we're like ripping out all the drywall and we're down to bare studs and and we need to insulate the ceiling. We, did I mention fire sprinklers? We needed to do all that. Every, we realize every door, every exterior door is bad. Every, the, the, exterior, the windows are bad. So we're realizing that we're into this money pit, and we're spending all kinds of money. And so last week, or maybe 10 days ago, I asked the bookkeeper, Julie, I asked, where's Julie? She's still there. So I asked Julie, I said, how much money have we spent so far? She's like, about $308,000. Oh, holy cow. I said, are you kidding me? And I'm like, I got to figure out how much it's going to cost to finish it. So I go to all the contractors and I say, okay, guys, help me out. 
What's it going to cost? Because everybody pretty much is doing time and material because you can't bid an old jalopy building like that. So they go in there like, we're not sure what we're dealing with, so we'll do time and material. And they've been gracious. A lot of guys have discounted their, their hourly rate, and they've helped us with material and that sort of thing. But we still are in this thing over $300,000. So I compile a list of everything from painting, plumbing, electrical, flooring, all of the above, doors, windows, all of that kind of stuff. And we realize we still need $200,000 to finish the project. <laughs> I'm like, half a million dollars? This is, this is a lot of money. But I got with the elders this week, and I said, hey, guys, this is the, this is the scenario. This is the dilemma. And they said, well, this is nothing new. <laughs> like, like, this... This is par for the course with old buildings. Every old building that we've ever renovated just takes a lot of money. And so I said, okay, well, what do you want to do? And they said, well, we talked about some things. And, and, um, but then as, as I was sitting at CCS's banquet last night, it occurred to me, I, I need to just full disclosure, just bring this to the people and say, Lord, your will be done. So this is what I'm asking you to do. This is what I'm asking you to do. Two things. I need, to, I need you to be praying and participating in two ways. Number one, we still do not have a building permit for that building. We're waiting on one little hurdle. Um, they said that we, you, he, the city said, do all the work that you want to do, that you can do without shutting everything, without closing it all up because we need to inspect it. So I said, okay, so we did $300,000 work without closing anything up and, and, uh, and we're about ready for inspections on electrical and plumbing and that sort of thing. But there, there's a question about the airflow in the building. And, uh, and we upgraded the HVAC system. There used to be three, uh, two three-ton units on the roof, and we put two five-ton units on the roof to increase capacity and airflow and that sort of thing. So that's the final hurdle. So we've submitted to the planning department our plan for that, and we think we've got it through, but we haven't received the permits yet. So pray, pray that God helps us over that hurdle so that we can get a building permit because our plan is to begin to call for inspections on all of the roughed-in plumbing and electrical so that we can begin to insulate the walls and drywall the walls and get all the finish done and finish out the bathrooms and that sort of thing. But, but it's going to take another $200,000 to finish it. So um, I'm asking that you pray again. You guys have been so incredibly generous with your prayer and with your uh, participation in this project. So many people have uh, given labor at no charge, have helped with cleanup days and helped with all kinds of stuff. But as it goes, we're still short $200,000. So I talked with the elders. They said, hey, this is what we do know. We know that God led us into it. We know that he will lead us through it. He will provide for it. We know that it was the right decision for our church to be in that space. It allows us the expansion that we need for our kids and for our adults. And so we know that God's in it. We just need to kind of navigate together to figure out how to finish the project and get in the building. Our goal is to get in by Christmas, December 24th. So just over, what's today? 24th. That's good timing. So in two months, <clears throat> that's what we got. We got two months to kind of wrap this thing up. And so we're asking that you would pray and ask the Lord um, if he would have you to participate um, by giving extra to the building program. Now, I never want people to give unless they feel the joy of the Lord around their giving. We've never been heavy pressure 
about giving and that sort of thing. I don't want you to feel compelled to give because of guilt or anything like that. But if you pray and you sense the Lord says give, then that's what we would ask you to do. And, um, and do it quickly because we're, we need to get this thing done. So, um, so initially um, when I realized we were in this predicament, I called the elders and I said, hey guys, we have to set the, the uh, kind of the standard here. So I'm asking each of the elders to give sacrificially to this program, and every elder stepped up and gave sacrificially to it. And so now that the elders have led by being generous and by trusting the Lord and by giving, I'm asking the congregation to do the same thing. So um, as you pray, uh, God will lead. As you listen, God will provide. And by God's grace and his good plan will hopefully be in by December 24th. So with that, what I'm going to do is have us all stand and pray. We've got 10 minutes left in the service, so we're going to get through the first point of Hebrews chapter 1 today. First, a five-point message, um, but it's just service kind of lended itself to this. Can we get this microphone on, Todd? And then um, I'm going to pray. And then if you feel led to pray, I want you to come out and pray into the microphone so that everybody else who's on different parts of the campus can agree with us. And so, Lord... We want to pray and we want to declare, God, that you are Jehovah Jireh. You are our provider. We've, we've seen that for 18 plus years. You have always provided for us, for all of our operational expenses, for our contributions to missions and ministry outside of Harvest Church. As we've sent missionaries all over the globe, Lord God, you've always been faithful to provide for that kind of stuff with the purchase of buildings and renovations of buildings. You've always been faithful, but we always run into the same issue where we're in a building that's just old, Lord. So we just pray, God, that you would show yourself faithful once again. We will continue to ask and seek and knock and ask and just trust, God, that you're going to respond um, with provision for this space. So we pray your will be done. We pray for favor with the building, the planning department, Lord, that they would give us the stamp of approval and give us a building permit so that we can continue to move forward. We pray that that would happen quickly. Lord, I don't know if December 24th is my idea or, or your idea, but Lord, I know that this building is, is your idea. So whatever the timing is, Lord God, we want to get in there and, uh, and uh, get the Get, get going with that building. So help us with that, we pray, Jesus. Thank you. If anybody else wants to come up and just pray, the microphone is ready to go. You do, but we want everybody to be able to hear you, though. Yeah. Here, can you just talk into that? Thanks, Joe. There we go. There we are. Awesome, awesome. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Yeah, there, there are creative ways to give. Uh, obviously, to, come on, Gary, come on up. Obviously, um, money is good, but we, we can also take stocks, and we've had people donate stock and property and that sort of thing, so that's always an option as well. 
Gary, can I help you? All right, Gary. Let's pray. Yeah, you're good. You're good. Father, we know that um, the book of Hebrews tells us that without faith, it is impossible to please you. Thank you. And we know, Father, that you always honor faith. There's not a time in the Bible, in the lives of the people there, that you didn't honor their faith. You came through in ways that they didn't even imagine. And God, you're still the same today, yesterday, and forever. Mm. And we thank you, Father, that you, as Steve Perry, you're Jehovah Jireh. Thank you, Lord. God who provides. We pray, Father, that you would fill us all with faith. Mm -hmm. That we would trust you. That we would give as you inspire us to give. Thank you, Lord. And that blessings would flow, Lord, among your people. Because we know we can't outgive you, Lord. Yeah, amen. There's no way. You always do more for us than we do for you. And we just commit this building into your hands and all those who are laboring on it. Keep them safe. Keep them strong. And just have your way, Lord. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. All right. You can maybe seated. Let's continue on. We'll get to a little bit of study in Hebrews. Thanks for listening. Thanks for praying. Thanks for believing God with us. We're not giving up. Title of the message, Don't Give Up. Jesus Can Be Trusted. As we said, the writer to uh, of this letter to the Hebrews is writing to encourage people, people who have converted to Christianity, but who are feeling a pull back to Judaism, to their old way of thinking, and they're being ostracized, some of them, by their families, and they're being criticized, and they're being persecuted by zealous people who don't understand their decision. So in Hebrews 10, verses 32 through 36, the writer encourages the people. He says, think back. Think back on those early days when you first learned about Christ. Remember how you remained faithful, even though it meant terrible suffering. Sometimes you were exposed to public ridicule and were beaten, and sometimes you helped others who were suffering the same thing. You suffered along with those who were thrown into jail, and when all you owned was taken from you, you accepted it with joy. You knew there were better things awaiting for you that will last forever, the Scripture says. So do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. Verse 36, patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that he has promised. So don't give up. Jesus can be trusted. Let's jump into Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. It says, long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. So God spoke his promises and his covenant to the Hebrew people. There's an intimacy about God, of the God of the universe, speaking revelation and truth to humble people. God spoke. He spoke his promises and his covenant to the Hebrew people. God made a covenant with the Hebrew people. They would be his people and he would be their God. There's an intimacy that God is calling us into in the Old Testament and 
especially in the New Testament. God communicated his law so that his people and all people would know his standard. And that's where we get the Ten Commandments. You must not have any other God but me, the Lord declared. You must not make for yourself an idol of any kind. You must not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Honor your father and mother. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not bear false witness against your neighbor, and you must not covet the law of God. If we could just keep the law, we would be faultless. How many have tried that lately? (laughs) The Bible says that if we keep the whole law but stumble in one little part of the law, we're guilty of breaking the whole thing. So why was the law given to us if we could never be expected to follow it letter by letter? Galatians 3.19 answers that question. It says this, Galatians 3.19, why then was the law given? It was given alongside the promise to show people their sins. This is the purpose of the giving of the law. It was given to show people their sins, given alongside the promise who is Christ the Lord. But the law was designed to last only until the coming of the child who was promised. We're talking about Jesus in the incarnation. God gave his law through angels to Moses, who was the mediator between God and God and the people. And now God is speaking not through Moses as the mediator, but he's speaking through the Lord Jesus Christ. Hebrews 1, 2 says, and now in these final days, he has spoken to us through his son, capital S, son. God promised everything to the son as an inheritance, and through the son, he created the universe. And so we're beginning to get a glimpse about who this son is, Jesus, the Lord, coming in the form of the incarnation, living, teaching, dying, resurrecting. Uh, But before all of that, he's been eternal. He's been eternally present in the universe. And before the universe, he's been eternally present, period. He's eternal, no beginning and no end. In John 1, 1, it says, in the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God and the word was God. Verse 2, he existed in the beginning with God, and God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. Don't give up. Jesus can be trusted. Number one in your notes, Jesus can be trusted because he is God. (laughs) He can be trusted because he is God. God. And so we know all of the attributes of God, that he is our provider, our healer, our soon coming king, that he is the one who stands with us. He's a friend who's closer than a brother. He's the one who recognized our desperate need for salvation. And in the incarnation, he offered himself to come as a living sacrifice, a substitutionary sacrifice on the cross so that our sins might be blotted out and forgiven. He decided to take the wrath of God upon himself because the Bible says the way Wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So sometimes we're tempted to give up. We're tempted to give in. But God is saying, don't give up. You can trust me to help you to navigate life. Maybe you're in a difficult place in a relationship, and God is telling you, don't 
give up. Maybe you're feeling tempted to drift from your faith, your first love as a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus would say, don't give up. Don't lose heart. Continue to press in. Continue to believe me. You, Jesus can be trusted because he is God. It says in verse 3, the Son radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. We know a lot about the character of God just by reading the Scripture about God. We read in the Old and the New Testament that God is just and that he is good that he is faithful, that he is reliable, that he is dependable, that when his people trust him, he always, always comes through. I think about the people in the wilderness as they travel to the promised land. They, they get desperate because they don't have any water, and they get desperate because they don't have any food, and God comes through and provides water and manna. He provides for them as they travel through the wilderness, preparing them for the promised land. Were they tested? We're always tested. They got to a point in the wilderness where they're like, Moses, did you bring us out here to die? We've got no food. We've got no water. What are we going to do? And Moses continues to turn the people to the Lord. Remember his faithfulness. He delivered you out of your old life. He delivered you out of Egypt with a plan and a purpose to deliver you into the promised land. Are there challenges along the way? Oh, man, there are challenges along the way. I've had uh, three or four conversations this morning, and uh, what I thought were going to be lighthearted conversations turned out to be very difficult conversations with people just going through very, very hard things. We look around, and we think everybody's doing fine, but not everybody's doing fine. I'm thankful for the days in which we are doing fine, but there's always days in which we struggle. We struggle to believe God. We struggle to put our faith in him and to trust him. But every time we turn our attention back to him, he reminds us and reassures us. I've had to do a lot of prayer walks lately because I've been anxious about this building down the road. And every time I do, I'll go out and walk and I'll say, hey, babe, I'll tell Jolene, I, I got to go pray. <laughs> and I'll just go on a walk and I'll pray and I'll come back in about an hour, an hour and a half later and I'm just refreshed in my soul because I'm reminded of God's faithfulness. I'm reminded that we've been here before and that God will get us through it again because he always does that. I'm reminded that my attention, my focus needs to be not on the problem, but on the solution who is Christ the Lord. And so as I open up the scripture and remind myself about the faithfulness of God, and as I pray and press in and talk to the Lord, he reminds me by his spirit of his goodness. So don't give up. We're not going to give up moving forward. We got good stuff in store for us as God leads and guides and directs us. And we're confident that God's going to give us what we need for that building. And then beyond, is there's more beyond as we continue to be salt and light in this community. With that, let's go ahead and stand up. And we'll finish the next four points to this message here um, when I get back to it. We're going to take communion. How many re received your elements? Yeah, go ahead and stand up. And if you need elements... Raise your hand, and we will get elements to you. Jim, if you can make sure the people get some elements, just keep your hand up, and Jim will get elements to you. We're going to take communion. Why? Because communion reminds us. The Bible says, do this as often as you do in remembrance of me. So we 
take communion because it reminds us of God's faithfulness on the cross. We take communion because it refreshes our soul because in doing so, we say, thank you, Lord, for forgiving my sins. Thank you, Lord, for staying by my side and for, and for walking this course of life with me. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three is our passage that we typically read. It says this. So everybody have elements now? Okay, these are our COVID elements. And so they're all sealed and ready to go. So make sure you know how to peel off the top layer to get to the wafer and then the bottom layer to get to the juice. Here we go. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three. For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said this, is my body which is given for you. Do this to remember me. Let's take the bread. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you for the reminder, Lord. We need the reminder, don't we, Lord? We, we need it, Lord. Thank you that you remind us and as often as we take communion, we're, we're reminded, and so we thank you. Thank you for your sacrifice for me, for us, for your church. We love you, Lord. We're so grateful. Verse 25 says, In the same way he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. So let's take the juice. Oh, thank you, Lord. God, I'm refreshed in my soul when I take communion. Refresh us, Lord. Refresh us in our soul and our spirit, Lord, in our lives. God, refresh us with that truth of your grace. God, if any of, any of us have been struggling with sin, Lord, I pray that uh, you would refresh us with your, your plan to forgive us and to set us free and then do that good work, we pray, Lord God. Do that good work. Thank you for your patience with us, your kindness toward us. It's unfathomable your goodness and your patience. We don't fully comprehend, but we're thankful. We're thankful, Lord. If there's anyone here who's never accepted the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, if you're here and you recognize that you need your sins forgiven, sins are just, in other words, for mistakes, faults, the breaking of the commandments, falling short, you're here and you know in your soul and your life that you've fallen short and you've never accepted the grace message of the Lord Jesus Christ, you can simply accept him now. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Confessing that Jesus is Lord is a simple declaration, a powerful declaration, a profound declaration that says, I no longer want to lead my own life. I want you to lead my life. I recognize you as Lord, as King, as God, and I say, I submit to you, I give my life to you. 
I believe that you were born and you lived and you died and you resurrected from the grave, conquering sin and death, giving us the victory over those things. You took my place, receiving my penalty. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ the Lord. And so as you recognize your need for Jesus and you would welcome him into your life, you're welcoming him into your life to be your Lord and your leader, your king, and the one who washes away all of your sin and adopts you into his family. So if that's you, go ahead and do that in the quietness of your own heart. Maybe you're here today and you just need to reaffirm your commitment to follow Jesus. That's why communion is so important. We do this as often as we do in remembrance so that we might refresh ourselves in the Lord. So, Lord, we refresh ourselves in you as we, as we sing this final worship song. We just say, Lord, thank you. We love you. Your will be done with our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's worship. When the heart is undefiled Another way when the walls are closing in When I look at the space between Where I used to be and this reckoning I know I'll never be alone There was another in the fire Standing next to me there was another in the water Holding back the seas And should I ever need reminding Of how I've been set free There is a cross that bears the burden and another died for me There is another in the
I know that's where you'll 